Welcome back to another edition of the Halftime Community Podcast. So I did ask for some mailbag questions a couple of weeks ago. I'm a little late on some of these, which you'll see coming up. Some of them are evergreen topics, so it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. But we are back. We are here. We are live. We are in stereo. I'm going to roll through some of these mailbag questions starting right now. The first question we have up to bat is from Chargers fan. And apropos of his name, we have Chargers fan asking, do you see the Chargers winning the Super Bowl in the next five to 10 years? If I really had to bet right now, and you're saying I have to put my mortgage on it right now, I'm going to say no. And that's not because I hate the Chargers. I am a Chiefs fan and they are kind of a rival of the Chiefs. Um, But I do respect the Chargers organization, but it seems like to me the Chargers have been the same team for about the past 20 years. The players may change, the coaches may change, uh, but it's the same old Chargers. Super, super talented on paper, but for whatever reason, they can't stay healthy. They can't put it together at the same time, have all cylinders firing. Uh, I do think that maybe you know they they need to do something at the coaching position i like brandon staley and it seems like they're staying the course with brandon staley but you got to remember brandon staley is a defensive minded coach so if the chargers are going to take the next step i think it's really just about bringing in a really good offensive mind to run that offense completely for the chargers uh have justin herbert you know become a little bit more consistent so he can be that top five quarterback that he has the talent to be. Um, surround him with a good offensive scheme, offensive mind at the offensive coordinator position, and the rest should take care of itself. If the Chargers are ever able to stay healthy for a full season, that's when we could see their full potential. But at this point, if I'm betting on it, you know they're going to have some playoff losses that really frustrate you as a Chargers fan, and there's not going to be any Super Bowls in the next five to 10 years. The next question is a really important question. So I'm glad you asked it from KSU fan zero two. It's a fun one here. Which NBA player looks like they smell the worst? I wasn't sure if you were asking about currently or all time. So I went ahead and did both. Uh, Currently, I'm going to go with Andre Drummond and Andre Drummond. You know, you may be asking why Andre Drummond because sometimes he does rock the under the short sleeve undershirt now when he's playing in the NBA and he's hiding those hairy shoulders. And to me, anybody that has hairy front shoulders, they've got to smell. It's nothing against Andre Drummond. It's just what you were blessed with. So Andre Drummond, uh, shouts out to you. Salute to you. All time, this was a really easy one for me. I'm going to go with Patrick Ewing. So you may be asking why Patrick Ewing. Ever since I was a youth and I watched the original iteration of Space Jam, uh, I was really just drawn to one thing. I had one big takeaway from that movie and that was Patrick Ewing's armpits and his armpit hair specifically. If you have not seen that, go back, look at Patrick Ewing's armpit hair. I'm convinced that there's a wormhole somewhere in there And it's really, really substantive, and it holds the key to the universe. All the questions we may have about the universe could be held within Patrick Ewing's armpits. Um, What I think we need to do at this point, you know, what can we do moving forward about Patrick Ewing's armpits? We really just need a rare rare Dubai collector 
and our into oil prints maybe to put together some funding to make it their sole mission and explore the depths in the universe via Patrick Ewing's armpits. So that's my takeaway. Thank you for asking this important question. I may have to launch into a full-fledged investigation of this at some point. Next up, another extremely important question here from Taco Sriracha. Taco asks, who would win in a fight? Tyler Hero or and Bam Adebayo combined or a hungover polar bear? So this answer, you know, it's a really, it's a meme question, but, you know, let's be honest about that. It's a meme question, but this gives us a great opportunity to look at polar bears. Polar bears are insane. They're massive. They're literally the largest land carnivore on the earth. Polar bears standing upright, they can be anywhere on average from seven to 10 feet tall. And when they look at the human species, they see them as nothing but food. So really think about that. A 10-foot tall, massive polar bear that wants nothing out of life than to make you dinner. So that's pretty crazy right there. Now, even crazier, you know Trent Williams. He's probably the best left tackle in football for the past decade, you know, half decade at least. So think about Trent Williams coming at you in the Oklahoma drill. Now, triple it, his power, and give him the speed of Usain Bolt. And what you've got right there is the speed of a polar bear. So triple the power of Trent Williams coming at you in the Oklahoma drill with the speed of Usain Bolt. Coupled with the cardio ability to swim for days at a time. That is polar bear territory, folks. Polar bears are crazy. Absolutely nuts. As a PSA, if you ever come across a polar bear, there's a simple two-step process to protect yourself against polar bears. I'll give it to you right now. Cheat code. Step number one, tuck your head in between your legs. Step number two, kiss your ass goodbye. The next one, we got a quick hitter. Not really a question. It was more of a statement here from Darth Vader. And Darth Vader said, if Thanos snapped away James Corden from the universe, nobody would be sad. And my response to that is, first of all, vouch. One of the biggest red flags in human existence as a person is being rude to waitstaff. And James Corden, over the years, he has a reputation for doing this. L existence, James Corden. Now we've got like one more kind of meme question here before we get into some serious NFL and NBA talk, breaking down the standings, the contenders, the pretenders. So I promise that's coming up here shortly. But from Aaron Rodgers fan, who would win in a 1v1, Jordan Poole with baddies on the court or Trey with a basketball game tomorrow? Okay, so here's how I broke this down. Jordan Poole with baddies sitting on courtside, it may seem like the final boss, but if I'm a betting man, I would put my money on Trey with the basketball game tomorrow. The simple fact that Trey is locked in with more than 24 hours before his basketball game tells you all you need to know. That's not even touching on the fact that he's a point guard and he's got shoe game. Steph Curry could never. Steph Curry is not a point guard. Thank you, Trey, with the basketball game tomorrow for your service. Hi, my name is Trey. I have a basketball game tomorrow. Well, I'm a point guard. I got shoe game. And now, as promised, we are going to finish up with some actual serious sports questions here, the most serious sports conversations you can find 
anywhere on the interwebs will be had right here. So from the last dance, we have the question, as the NFL regular season comes to a close, who do you see as contenders, pretenders, and sleepers? Which players do you think can step up in the playoffs and emerge as either cult heroes or Super Bowl leaders? Now, I'll put my hand up on this one. My bad. When this question was asked, we were heading into the playoffs. And as you guys already know, we are at the conference championship level right now. So I kind of cheated, but we do have the cheat sheet out for you guys. We have the 49ers versus Eagles and the Chiefs versus the Bengals. Now, I did mention earlier, I'm a little bit of a Chiefs fan. Been that, been that way, been a hardcore Chiefs fan um, since my inception. It was bred into me as a youth. Um, so I am biased. But, you know, even being so, when we're looking at the Chiefs versus the Bengals matchup, the Bengals, they have beat the Chiefs three times in a row. And it's not like that's dating back to a decade or going or anything like that. That's over the past two years. We have played the Bengals three separate occasions and the Bengals have beat us every single time. So, but I will say very close matchups in all three games. It was not a blowout by any stretch of the imagination. One play here or there. And the Chiefs could have easily won two of those games. Um, could have at least won one. Um, so I expect another very close game. And we're talking about Arrowhead Stadium in the playoffs. So that's a massive home field advantage. I'm biased, so I'm always going to pick the Chiefs. But it's I expect a very, very close game. Joe Burrow, unflappable quarterback. He's got the weapons. Chiefs defense, I would say that's the X factor. With the Chiefs defense coming down the stretch, obviously I watch every single Chiefs game, so I have a little bit more film on them in my mind. But when the Chiefs are able to get pressure from Chris Jones, from Frank Clark, from George Karloftis, from Carlos Dunlap, and some other defensive linemen thrown in, like Mike Dana, uh, Kalen Saunders, Derek Nadi. um, when we're able to apply pressure, we're, we win the game. When we do not get pressure from our defensive line, we tend to really struggle because our secondary does have some playmakers, but very, very young. I don't know statistically if it's the youngest secondary in the league or not. Um, you know, I haven't dove too deep into that, but I would guess it's among the youngest, if not the youngest secondary in the entire NFL. So they do make some plays occasionally, but if we're not getting pressure from our defensive line, it could be a long day for the Chiefs on defense. And I would expect probably very similar to last year's game, somewhere like 35-31, if we do not get pressure from the defensive side of the football. Um, but I'm always going to stick with the Chiefs in my predictions with this being a home game, with them wanting revenge. The Chiefs are always locked in. Patrick Mahomes is always locked in. Travis Kelsey is always locked in. They're going to have the boys ready. So I'm going to pick the Chiefs 28-24 and a little bit of a nail biter, but it's going to be 28-24 Kansas City going back to the Super Bowl. On the NFC side of things, you know, I have watched a lot of 49ers football this year for whatever reason. I just really like the way they play the game of football. Um, I like their organization. I like the way they do things. I like their defensive side of the football, all the playmakers they have on defense. Um, and I am a huge Iowa State football fan. So this Brock Purdy kind of resurgence coming out of nowhere, um, that's been fun to watch as well. You know, Brock, Par Brock Purdy is never going to light up the stat sheet, but he has been able to kind of take 
charge of the 49ers offense, use the playmakers that are around him, um, like, you know, randomly picking up Christian McCaffrey at the trade deadline. Like, honestly, if the 49ers go on to win this game and beat the Eagles and go on to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl, that's going to be, you know, the biggest midseason acquisition possibly of all time if Christian McCaffrey shows out in these last couple games and the 49ers win a Super Bowl. Um, you know, that could be one of the biggest trade acquisitions in the entire NFL landscape of all time. So serious stakes here. But the Eagles, they are no slouches either. The Eagles have kind of cruised, made it look pretty easy getting to the NFC Championship game. Um, you know, they've been pretty dominant all year but for whatever reason just because of that dominance it's almost been like boring i, I don't want to say boring because they are an exciting football team to watch but they just don't get a ton of publicity just because of how good and consistent they've been all season so we know the story with the eagles they've got a great offensive line they've got a great defense as well just like the 49ers um, and jalen hurts has been that dual threat quarterback Nick Sirianni, he was kind of clowned when he first came into the NFL because his personality uh, is a little out there. Some of his media appearances at the very beginning, especially, um, were like, who is this guy? You know, why is he acting like this? Uh, you know, he's not going to even last a year in Philadelphia, but he was able to build an offense around Jalen Hurts. So it was pretty crazy, the transformation, thinking back to last year, the last half of last year, they completely pretty much overhauled the offense and built everything around the dual threat ability of Jalen Hurts. Uh, so that's been ever since then, it's like the Eagles have been on a roll and they've been one of the NFL's best teams ever since that midway point last year. So honestly, we got, in my opinion, the four best football teams. Um, the only thing in the conference championships, I should say, in the conference championship round, we have the four best football teams left right now. I would have picked the Bills before the playoffs started, but the Bengals and Joe Burrow have showed, just like they showed last year in the playoffs, they are peaking at the right time. So I think right now, the four best football teams are in the AFC and NFC championship games, respectively. So all I'm really hoping for is two really, really well-played games, two well-contested games. As always with these games, you hope it doesn't come down to a bad call by the referees or a questionable call. You just hope it's settled on the field and it's two really hard-fought football games and everybody comes out safe at the end of the day. So my predictions would be Chiefs, um, you know, winning in a tight one against the Bengals. And then I would, I'm actually going to go 49ers over the Eagles. Um, although on that one, I don't, I don't feel strongly about the 49ers versus Eagles matchup at all. But my prediction since the beginning of the playoffs has been 49ers Chiefs rematch of the 2019 Super Bowl. So, um, I'm excited if it does come to fruition. Of course, I'm rooting for the Chiefs, but I think no matter what this year, we're going to have a really, really good, a really strong Super Super Bowl matchup. So if you're a fan of football at all, if you're a fan of the NFL, this is going to be a great weekend to tune in on Saturday and Sunday and see who comes out um, at the end of the day, get all that pregame in and then watch the games. So it's going to be a great show, great players for the Chiefs. Obviously, I'm hoping Patrick Mahomes 
he had that high ankle sprain, so that is a story. He's going to be a lot more in the pocket, I'd imagine. Uh, he is going to play. There's no way Patrick Mahomes uh, does not play, but you just hope we can keep the pressure off of him for the most part. Don't take any unnecessary hits. And Andy Reid is one of the best game planners of all time, so on the offensive side of the football at least. So he's going to have a game plan ready um, to make sure that we're utilizing the playmakers on that side of the ball. So two really good games. Thanks for the question, The Last Dance. Sorry I failed you here. Um, but if you're talking about breakout players, I would say um, everybody's going to be looking at the quarterbacks, obviously. So you got Brock Purdy, Jalen Hurts. You got Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow. Um, that's the obvious answer. You know, those are going to be the most important players uh, as as goes the NFL. The quarterback's always going to be most important. But outside of that, I'm really looking forward on the Eagles to seeing the how they get pressure on the defensive side of the football. And then also A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith. Those guys are just studs at the wide receiver position. I would, you know, if I could have like one player in the NFL that's kind of not, you know, one of the best players in the NFL, but that I could just add to the Chiefs roster right now. It'd probably be Devonta Smith. I think that guy's incredible. You know, he's not the biggest guy in the world. He's not always going to be the fastest, but I love what he brings to the wide receiver position, always does his job. So uh, Devonta Smith, he would be, you know, kind of a guy to watch for me. Also, Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, how do they mix those guys into the run game on the Eagles side of things? 49ers, uh, it's going to be Fred Warner on the defense. That guy's been on fire um, for the past, you know, honestly, three seasons or so. Uh, that guy's just been awesome. Dre Greenlaw, how do they get pressure um, with Eric Armstead and all the players on the defensive line? Uh, Charveris Ward. You know, former Kansas City Chief, he's had a really good season for the 49ers, so it'll be interesting to see him and how he shows out um, on the defensive side of the football. But on the offense, we already know what it is with the 49ers. They've got playmakers like Christian McCaffrey, um, Elijah Mitchell. They've got George Kittle, obviously. George Kittle is probably my favorite player in the NFL to watch. Uh, he just loves loves the game of football. You can tell that. Um, just like Travis Kelsey, they're very similar. They love the game of football. They don't mind blocking, but they're going to catch a lot of passes, make a lot of big plays too. So George Kittle, Debo Samuel, uh, Brandon Ayuk, those are the guys to watch on the offensive side of the football. And for the Chiefs, I would say, um, you know, pay attention coming back. Somebody that has been completely forgotten for the Kansas City Chiefs is Nicole Hardman. Uh, reports are he is practicing this week. They did say that last week too, and then he ended up not suiting up. Um, he's had a nagging injury since week nine, I believe it was, of the NFL season. Um, he was kind of seen as, okay, well, he's not going to replace Tyreek Hill, but he's got very similar skill set to Tyreek Hill as far as the speed, uh, the quick twitch ability, the ability to run the ball out of the backfield, to take a screen and take it to the house. Uh, and he was actually having, he was on pace to have his best season in the NFL thus far until he got injured. So that really, that really set him back. Um, I'm hoping he can suit up for the Chiefs this weekend and we'll actually see him come back. If he does, you know, I would look for him to get mixed in um, either in the run game or the short passing game and keep Mahomes in the pocket on a quick hitter and maybe have McCole Hardman take one to the house. Uh, Kadarius Toney, we got from the Giants. He's he's kind of filled that similar role as well. Um, but as always with the Chiefs, it's going to be about Travis Kelsey and 
the Patrick Mahomes connection. For the Bengals, uh, we already know what it is. I did like what I saw out of it's going to be the wide receivers like Jamar Chase, um, T. Higgins, obviously, Tyler Boyd. Those guys are all studs. But I did like what I saw out of Hayden Hurst uh, last week against the Bills. Really tough nose, um, tight end. He can catch the ball over the middle. Really big guy, uh, very strong. He's not always going to be the fastest in the world, but he's a really good threat from the tight end position. So. Overall, uh, you know, great football to look forward to, and I appreciate that question. So just to reiterate, my predictions are 49ers over the Eagles and Chiefs over the Bengals. So surely it will go 100% the opposite way, but those are my predictions for now. And as a kind of potpourri life advice question, uh, we do have one more from Florida005. And then to close things out, we're going to have an NBA-related question from Swish41. But from Florida005, uh, his question is, in 21 Savages, ball without you. He says, I'd rather have loyalty than love. He goes on to explain that although love is nice, it is truly nothing compared to someone's loyalty. What are your thoughts and personal feelings on this lyric you know not to get too deep but we're going to get too deep here um first of all you know at the end of this i'm going to queue up a montage that is really important when thinking about this question uh, really wise words from one vin diesel so look forward to that but outside of that i would always say for me personally uh love is fleeting for sure. And I'm not quite an old head, but I'm getting to the age where I'm getting closer to being an old head. Um, so I would say love is fleeting. And I've had people say to me, you know, uh, this girl broke up with me or this happened in my life or I'm not close to this person anymore. Uh, you can't really, in my experience, you can't always count on other people when they say that L word, that love word. Uh, so you want to make sure that the people you're around, the circle you surround yourself with is loyal. So it's really all about loyalty at the end of the day. That love thing is fleeting. So hopefully that wasn't too deep for you all. And if you have any specific questions on that, uh, we can definitely hit that in the next mailbag. I'd love to walk through some of those scenarios with you guys and those life advice questions with you guys. Uh, I don't really talk about myself too much on this podcast. It's more about the questions you guys have and looking at sports and stupid stuff like that. But I do have some life experience. You know, I've been around the block a couple times. I've had an interesting life um, and done everything from been in the military to work in professional sports to, um, you know, working with small businesses now. So I do have some different life experiences, some different life perspectives, and uh, I appreciate that question. So let's cue up the real hero in this scenario, though. Let's cue up Vin Diesel right now. Toast. Toast. Money will come and go. We know that. But the most important thing in life will always be the people in this room. Right here. Right now. Salute me, familia. Salute. Salute. And last, but certainly not least, we have a question from Swish41. His question is regarding the NBA season here. With the NBA season finally starting to take shape, who do you have as contenders, pretenders, trade machines, and rebuilders? Now, I'm going to be 
keep it 100 with you guys right now. I have not been super locked in to the NBA season this year for whatever reason. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's the league. Um, you know, maybe it's just what's going on currently in the landscape of everything. But I've just not been super locked in to this NBA season. I have been paying attention to the rankings. I've watched the highlights. You know, I've seen some box scores and things like that. But I am watching the least amount of NBA I ever have in my life. Now, I will say that's not necessarily a bad thing because I feel like, especially with football, uh, sometimes the less you watch, the more accurate your takes can be in some ways because uh, you're not super biased and you're not looking at uh, you know, a right guard matchup versus a defensive tackle matchup. You're just looking at the teams. So what I'm going to do is run through uh, both the Eastern and Western Conference kind of playoff teams. If the season were to end today, um, talk about, you know, if just a quick categorization of are they a contender? Are they a pretender? Uh, maybe some reasons behind it. So that's what we're going to do right now. In the East, uh, we have on the top Boston Celtics. Uh, they started off the NBA season, you know, looking like the dominant team of the NBA. Uh, so really not too much to say about them. They have tapered off a little bit, but um, they are still kind of the cream of the crop on the Eastern Conference and maybe the entire NBA right now. So Boston Celtics, uh, they seem really locked in. They've got Jason Tatum with a lot of experience now. Uh, Jalen Brown with a lot of experience now. So it's really just about maintaining for them, uh, being healthy when they get into the playoffs. And that's kind of the theme for a lot of these top contending teams. Being healthy, being fresh, going into the playoffs. And I feel like they do have that playoff experience. They went to the finals last year, uh, so they are ready to take that next step. So there's no reason why the Celtics can't win the NBA championship this year. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon's been a huge addition for them as well. They may make you know, a couple of small additions or pickups or um, a small trade, you know, before the trade deadline, but I don't expect them to make any major, major moves heading into that postseason. Philadelphia 76ers, uh, you know, it kind of goes with Embiid and Harden. How they go is how the Philadelphia 76ers will go. Very similar to last year's team. Uh, Harden does seem a little bit more locked in this year. His shooting percentages are up. Uh, I've always been a James Harden kind of truther. I really think, you know, he's not always super locked in, uh, which is always going to be an issue. He kind of shot his way out of town in Houston, which isn't great. Kind of did the same in Brooklyn, which isn't great. But when he's been on the court, you know, he's a really, really a top tier offensive skill talent that we've ever seen in the NBA. So James Harden, Joel Embiid, how they go is how the 76ers will go. Milwaukee Bucks. Same thing with them. We know who the Bucks are. They've got Giannis. They've got Chris Middleton. Um, they've got a really good set of role players around them. Uh, but Giannis is really the key to making that thing go. And he has figured out uh, in the playoffs, you know, how to win. He already has a championship under his belt. So those are the three um, top contenders, I would say, in the Eastern Conference. Brooklyn Nets. I would have put this, put them in the same group, the same category, but with Kevin Durant having some nagging injuries yet again, I'm just worried when it gets to the postseason that uh, everything's going to fall on Kyrie. I do like 
what Claxton has been able to give them on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. Um, they do have some really good role players. They've got Seth Curry, um, you know, to surround Kyrie and KD. But I'm just worried that KD's not going to be able to hold up um, the entire season and another playoff run. But if he's able to stay healthy, there's no reason why the Brooklyn Nets cannot be in that top two or three conversation by the end of this season. Kyrie's super locked in, so you'd love to see that. You got number five, Cleveland Cavaliers. And this is where, you know, they have the same amount of wins as the Brooklyn Nets. Um, so I would say after the Cleveland Cavaliers is kind of where you start to see that drop off from that those tier one or um, um, borderline tier one teams to kind of the tier two. So Cleveland Cavaliers. Love their core, super young core. They've got some playoff experience now. Evan Mobley's shooting percentages have been down this year, so don't want to say he's regressed because his offensive game isn't necessarily built around shooting and shooting percentages. Uh, he's kind of that total package player that really impacts the game. So uh, Mobley, if he can step up a little bit more, they have the pieces to give any team trouble in the playoffs then on the, bo the bottom half of the playoff kind of contenders on the east you've got the miami heat they have the talent uh, i just don't think they're going to be consistent enough especially when it comes to playoff time i would never bet against playoff jimmy playoff jimmy is a different animal but the shooters they kind of have surrounding um haven't been consistent they've even regressed max Struess, duncan robinson uh, those guys have regressed a lot so interesting to see what will happen with Lowry, uh, with Adebayo, uh, with Jimmy Butler going into the playoffs? Will they try to ship off Lowry? Uh, will they try to bring in another piece to surround Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo? Uh, will they get crazy? And if a superstar becomes available, uh, will they ship off Bam Adebayo for a superstar or an aging superstar? Um, I don't know. You know, this is the NBA. This is crazy. And the Miami Heat are always in those conversations. So it wouldn't be shocking to me if a superstar, for some reason, becomes available. The Miami Heat are in on that. And I would imagine Bam Adebayo is going to be a piece of that puzzle. So we'll see what happens with them. Uh, New York Knicks, Jalen Brunson. That's been a huge addition for them. We've kind of been able to see what we saw out of Jalen Brunson in the playoffs for the Mavericks last year, um, kind of full-time in New York as a starter and a key piece to the New York Knicks. So uh, Julius Randle kind of had a renaissance as well. So he had the really good year in New York, regressed a little bit last year, and now he looks he's like he's aggressing again to being a all-star level player, uh, kind of borderline all NBA team players. So you love to see it out of Julius Randle, uh, Jalen Brunson, RJ Hampton. Those are the big three for the New York Knicks. Atlanta Hawks um, in that eight spot, you know, nothing super new or super exciting. The one trade piece that's always a trade piece, it seems like for them, is John Collins. What will happen with John Collins uh, heading into the trade deadline? Will they keep the core? Will they shake it up? Uh, DeJounte Murray and Trey Young. They've had really, you know, really solid outings together, but for whatever reason, it just hasn't come together as a team quite yet to make them that tier one team that they were hoping to be. Uh, Indiana Pacers, my guy, Tyrese Halliburton has been huge for the Indiana Pacers, uh, but with the Indiana Pacers, they're they're already 
in that nine seed um, as it sits right now. So they're already outpacing expectations. They were kind of picked to be a bottom of the barrel, possibly team in the East. Uh, so they're already doing better than what their projections were. But at the end of the day, they just don't have the firepower to and benedict matherin's been really good but he's a rookie so we're not expecting him to kind of make that jump yet um i don't expect them to make any noise in the playoffs maybe you know they win that play-in game and give somebody some trouble in the first round but as very similar to the hawks with john collins um it's the annual miles miles turner jersey swap a palooza so we'll see him in 50 different trade scenarios um in different jersey swaps and he'll probably still be in indiana at the end of this year but look forward to that every single year the mild miles turner rumors uh Chicago Bulls, Zach Levine's been huge. He's been playing really well for the Bulls. Um, so maybe they're starting to put this together. But again, this is another team that it's like meh. You know, they've got DeRozan. They've got Vucevic. Uh, they've got Zach Levine playing really well right now. But they're just, for whatever reason, they just really can't seem to put it all together for a full season. So uh, I do like the Bulls. Uh, I'm a little bit biased. I've always liked the Bulls. But I'm hoping... Uh, they can really put this together. They did have a seven-game win streak at one point, uh, so I'm hoping they can expand on that and really finish uh, out the second half of the season strong. So if you're a Bulls fan, that's what you're hoping on, that they're building on kind of what they're building and Zach Levine playing really well right now. But I would not expect them to advance in the playoffs. They would kind of be a play-in type team to me. Outside of that, uh, you know you've got the Wizards, you've got the Raptors, the Magic, the Hornets, the Pistons, um, kind of rounding out the East. All these sim all these teams, very similar. Uh, they've got some pieces, and they could be trading some pieces. It just depends on how this season goes and how their general managers feel about the direction of the organization. Uh, the Raptors, will they keep Siakam? Will they trade him? Uh, the Wizards seem to be trading off a lot of their pieces and kind of in rebuild mode. Uh, I don't expect Bradley Beal to be dealt, but crazier things have happened. So uh, would it shock me completely if Bradley Beal was in some trade rumors uh, close to the trade deadline? No, uh, but I'm not exactly expecting that either. Orlando Magic, uh, I really like their solid young core, but I'm just hoping they can put it together. It's looking like it's going to be probably next season that you're looking forward to as a Magic fan. Maybe they can get hot and they can, uh, with Jonathan Isaac coming back and hopefully rounding into form, they can get to that play-in type game, uh, but I wouldn't expect it. And then you've got the Hornets and the Pistons. Uh, really not too much to say about them here. They've got some trade pieces possibly, uh, but don't expect them to make the playoffs. Don't expect them to make any noise. In the Western Conference, uh, we've got the Nuggets, first of all, just doing more Nuggets things. Uh, seems like every single year, you know, they've got this really solid core of role players around Jokic and now Murray coming back into the fold. Uh, Michael Porter Jr., as always, hoping he can stay healthy. So that's what you're looking forward to as a Denver Nuggets fan. Memphis Grizzlies, they've been really hot at times this year. Um, so they're looking to build on that playoff success they had last year. Uh, Memphis Grizzlies, really, really tough team. You've got Ja, you've got Dylan Brooks. Um, there's actually been some Dylan Brooks maybe rumors out there. Could he be dealt for a bigger piece or a piece that makes more sense for them? Uh, possibly. You've got Desmond Bain. Um, you've got a lot of great role players uh, playing for the Memphis Grizzlies right now, so you can't count them out. Uh, they've only lost 
Um, three more games, uh, as of right now, actually, two more games more than the Nuggets. So they're right there neck and neck with the Nuggets. Number three, nobody expected this one, baby. The Sacramento Kings at the three position in the Western Conference right now. 27-19. and 19. You love to see it. Light the beam, baby. I just hope they can keep it up. Sabonis is one of my favorite players to watch in the NBA. Um, you've got De'Aaron Fox, obviously, who's been one of those quiet kind of superstar level players, but he's always done it on a bad team. So you never really talked about him too much. Um, but De'Aaron Fox, now that he's playing on a contender, um, it's going to be awesome to watch the Kings down the stretch. You're just hoping they don't implode. It'd be awesome to see the Sacramento Kings and one of those top three to four seeds going into the playoffs. So if you're an NBA fan in general, I think you're just hoping that the Kings can keep this up and uh, you know bring it home coming down the stretch. Light the beam, baby. But my pick, honestly, right now, I'm kind of waffling between two different teams that are actually in the four and five position right now. You've got the uh, New Orleans Pelicans at number four and the Los Angeles Clippers at number five. That's right. I said the Clippers. I'm actually going to pick the Clippers right now to come out of the West. Kawhi Leonard is back. Kawhi Leonard has always been one of my favorite players in the NBA. And he doesn't get talked a lot about a lot in that tier one conversation with guys like Durant, uh, LeBron, Giannis, um, Steph Curry. You know, all those tier one superstar players that we automatically think about. John Morant, you can add him in there as well. Just a lot of guys in that kind of tier one conversation, superstar conversation. Uh, but Kawhi has been there, done that. I like to think of him as like a mercenary. He just comes in and he's a silent killer, uh, not the flashiest guy in the world, especially as he's aging. You know, his athleticism has regressed a little bit, um, but I love watching Kawhi Leonard play basketball, and it just seems like he's that super consistent superstar, and he's put it together on the offensive end as he's aged. Um, he's got that really smooth offensive game to him now, and while he can't be that lockdown defender that he was at one point, um, all the time, he can turn it up when needed. So I love what Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are doing right now, kind of quietly, uh, as they come back and they get healthier in the Western Conference. So it wouldn't shock me if the Clippers continue to play really well and creep up to like that number three seed and maybe take that away from Sacramento and go into the playoffs really strong. Really all rides on the health of Kawhi Leonard. So I got my fingers crossed. He's one of, if not my favorite player in the NBA, that he's going to be able to uh, keep it together, go into the playoffs healthy, and have a strong playoff run for the Clippers. Uh, so that would be my pick right now. Dallas Mavericks, Luka. You know, I didn't mention Luka in that Tier 1 conversation, but obviously I've just forgot to mention him. Luka is in that MVP Tier 1 conversation, whatever conversation we're having there. Um also, I would say right up there with Kawhi Leonard as my favorite player in the NBA. Luka, as Luka goes, the Mavericks will go. There's a lot of talk about get Luka help. I think it's a little bit overblown. He does have really solid pieces around him. Christian Wood is a really good offensive NBA player, offensive big man in the NBA. 
He's exactly what you would, the prototype of what you would want around Luka, a guy that can is big, can score inside, uh, can get his own bucket, can offensive rebound a little bit, and can also shoot it from deep. That's kind of what you would want around Luka. Tim Hardaway Jr., uh, straight bucket getter. You know, you've got a lot of good pieces. Reggie Bullock, you know, he's not a great all-around player necessarily, but he can knock down some shots. Uh, you got a lot of good role-playing pieces there in Dallas. The problem for Dallas is it's so heliocentric. It's so based around Luka that if Luka isn't going or they're frustrating Luka by um, fouling him, he's not able to get a shot off necessarily the way he wants to. That's that's potentially the issues uh, with the Mavericks. So uh, will we? I bet we'll see probably the Mavericks in a ton of trade rumors and trade scenarios. They'd probably be my number one team to make kind of a splashy trade, maybe a John Collins type, um, whoever becomes available closer to the trade deadline. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the Mavericks roster shakes out. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, he could be thrown in some trade scenarios as well. But I really think that get Luca help uh, narrative is a little bit overblown. It has a lot to do, honestly, with the game plan. I'm not saying it's bad or good because I love watching Luca cook and I will pay money and I'll watch every single game the Mavericks play in the playoffs because I want to see Luca cook. So uh, I'm not saying it's bad, it's good, uh, but that get Luca help narrative isn't my favorite in the world. Then after that, uh, you've got the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Suns, obviously, they are battle tested. Uh, they went, you know, toe to toe in the NBA Finals just a couple years ago um, with the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, it's really just up to Chris Paul. You know, can he come back healthy? Um, if he does, you know, I'd expect the the Phoenix Suns to play better to kind of round into form, maybe claim a top five seed in the West. Uh, the Pelicans. I love the Pelicans roster. If I had to pick one roster in the NBA that I just had to watch every single night, uh, one team play every single night, I'd probably pick the Pelicans. They're fun. They're gritty. Um, you know, they've got guys like Jose Alvarado, uh, guys that will just, you know, kind of give it up for the team. I love Willie Green as a coach. He's really turned around that entire franchise, um, installed kind of this mentality, one team, one fight mentality uh, so if Zion comes back and he plays at a superstar level you've got Brandon Ingram you've got all these great role players around those guys and I would love to see the Pelicans make a run to the Western Conference Finals because watching them is just a joy as a basketball fan then you've got um, at the bottom of the Western Conference uh, playoff scenarios right now you've got the the Jazz the Timberwolves the Warriors the Thunder the Thunder, we'll come back to the Thunder, but you've got the Jazz, the Timberwolves, the Warriors, um, Blazers, you know, the Lakers kind of hanging around there, not really, but kind of, you know, maybe they can make a run towards the playoffs or the play-in game with LeBron, maybe AD coming back, um, maybe they make it, you know, they just picked up uh, Rui Hachimura, so I'd expect him to make an impact, so Lakers could be in that play-in type scenario, but with the all these teams are kind of in the same tier to me. You've got the Jazz, the Timberwolves, the Warriors, um, the Blazers, the Lakers, all in that kind of same tier of, okay, could they make the playoffs? Yes, but are they going to make an NBA Finals run? No. 
in all reality, no, they're just not ready. The Warriors being the outlier, obviously, since they are battle-tested, uh, they've been there with this core many, many times before. So uh, the Warriors could put it together, but at some point, you've got to start putting some wins together. you got to put some win streaks together. And their record right now of 23 and 24 uh, just isn't getting the job done. So Warriors in the playoffs, do you want to see them? No, but will they even be in the playoffs? We'll have to see. Uh, so they could be a trade um, destination as well if they want to rebuild it on the fly right now, bring in a veteran or a veteran presence, maybe like a Pascal Siakam type, um, and ship off some of their younger pieces. I could see that for the Warriors, um, but it'll be interesting to see what happens with them. Do you want to spend a minute talking about the Thunder? Shea Gildas Alexander, you know, that guy has to be in the MVP conversations right now. Um Thunder aren't going to get talked about a lot because they are the young Thunder that are constantly rebuilding and constantly acquiring draft assets. But really think about, you know, the Thunder sit at 23 and 24 right now. They have a ton of great young pieces. And imagine all these great young pieces. And if Chet Holmgren was able to stay healthy and give them something on the offensive and defensive end, very similar to what like Evan Mobley did for the Cavaliers last year, it might be a completely different conversation uh, that we're having about the Oklahoma City Thunder. So are they ready to take that next step? No, uh, but they are, again, one of those fun teams to watch in the NBA. So, But we never know with the Thunder. It wouldn't shock me if they shipped off uh, half their roster and picked up even more draft picks and they just own the entire next five years of draft capital in the NBA. So anything could happen with the Thunder, but I really like what the Jalen Williamses. that's plural. There's two Jalen Williams on the Thunder are giving us. Lou Dort is always bringing it. Uh, so they got a lot of great young pieces and we say this almost every year now, but if you're the Thunder and you're a Thunder fan, uh, next year might be the year that you look to actually contend in the Western Conference. But really like what they're doing. They're a really scrappy team out there in the West. And we did it. We made it to the end yet again, ladies and gentlemen, lentlemen. We made it to the end of this episode, the mailbag edition of the Halftime Community Podcast. I really do appreciate it. You know, I honestly, uh, when the NBA and NFL questions came in. I know it got a little long-winded, but I, I really got into it and I, I really enjoyed kind of walking through the contenders, the pretenders, um, actually looking at you know some of the stats and things behind it. Um, I've been a little bit out of sports, as I mentioned earlier, um, over the past calendar year or so, just with everything going on in the world. So uh, I do appreciate you know kind of hopping back into that sports world and you guys for supporting me and listening to this. Hopefully, um, so if you could, you know, subscribe, resubscribe, subscribe, resubscribe. Um, give me a like. You know, uh, tell your mom, tell your friends, tell your stepmom. Um, tell your stepdad, Eric, who is really emotionally abusive to you. Uh, you know, tell everybody around you, your friends, your family, your compadres, your haters, your enemies. Uh, let them know I'm coming for them on the Halftime Community Podcast. And we'll see you on the next episode. <laughs>